It's that time. Time when we take a look at the rule book. To help us do that, SEC replay official Gerald Hodges. His appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember. To join us, 656-9900, 656-9900-STAR-990 is free. For AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Gerald, how you doing? Doing well, Jimmy. Well, doing thank well. you for joining us. We always appreciate it. I, I want to jump right into it. There was a game in the ACC on Friday night, and I was watching it, and I didn't catch all of these nuances. But anyway, Wake Forest in North Carolina. North Carolina's making a comeback. They've got the ball. It's uh, fourth and in inches. Uh, close to midfield. They run the football. I think there were like eight seconds left when they started it. And so the running back heads toward out of bounds. He hesitates. He gets knocked backwards a little bit, steps out of bounds. So a lot of people watching the game, myself included at that time, said, oh, they should have put one second back on the clock because he stepped out of bounds. The officials rule progress had stopped on the field of play. Therefore, the clock remained running and game over. The ACC came out and said, we made a mistake. Should have put one second back on the clock. The reason? You got a first down. That's correct. The way the rule uh, reads, Jimmy, is that if they rule forward progress and the ball is dead at that point, Mm -hmm. if if he made the first down, the forward progress got him to the first down, so the clock would stop on a play in that situation. And then – you know they would probably set the chains, and if they were, if they're, if the clock had run out, then they can review it. Uh, you know it's a reviewable play, so they would put one second back on the clock. I don't know the timeout situation where the team had any timeouts left or not. Did not. Okay, it is possible to get a snap off with, you know, the team has mm-hmm. to be at the line of scrimmage and ready. I've talked to some. Referees, the White Hats are there in charge of that. And uh, it's possible but not guaranteed that you'll get the snap off for because it's going to start on the referee's signal. In doing so, they have to run a play. They can't spike it. That's correct. And so what's the time on the spiking? Is it less than three seconds or less than two? What is it? on Less than three seconds. Less you can only snap it and run a play. Right. So you cannot spike right. in that situation. If so If it's sitting right on three, then you, you, you can spike it and get a play and stop the clock. Yeah. So, but if anything less than three, then they have to run. You get one snap, basically. Two seconds or one seconds. Okay. I was watching the Florida-Kentucky game, and I'm I'm going to have to acquiesce to what the announcers had said, but I, I want to present this to you, and you tell me the rule on it. So Florida's got the ball. They throw a completion down to the 11-yard line. They show a replay, and I didn't see a flag on the field. They show a replay, and the announcers say, hey, that was offensive pass interference. So then the game is stopped, and they say pass interference, offensive interference on Florida, so they move the ball back to the 41. And what was interesting is the announcer said the replay official caught the offensive interference, stopped the game, and they assessed it. In college football, that is not reviewable, is it? That's correct. That's not a reviewable play in, in college. Uh, obviously, it is now in certain situations in the NFL. But probably there was a flag on the field that you know nobody saw. It could have been on correct. sideline and be yeah. blocked out. 
So there obviously was, but no, I'm sure the replay didn't come in and make the pass interference call. Yeah, so just from a Ruth's perspective, when, right. when I saw that and they said that, I thought, that's not correct. But then, as you said, there could have been a flag. Maybe it was on a sideline. Maybe it was somewhere where it just wasn't observed. Right. But there had to have been a flag thrown on that play right. Dep- for the offensive interference to be called. Right. Depending on the camera angles, you usually have a high 50 or a camera at each high 35 on the press box side. So if it were on the press box side near the sideline, the team you know, could obviously block. You wouldn't be able to see a flag anywhere near the yeah. sidelines. I want to touch on something during the Tennessee-Chattanooga game. It was apparent that they, the players were getting pretty chippy at each other, and sometimes that happens with a, an in-state game. And so Tennessee ended up getting three late hits. I thought all were deserved. One was on the punter for hitting a guy out of bounds on a punt return. Trey Smith, offensive lineman at Tennessee, got hit for a late hit. I didn't see this. Somebody told me that the other guy had done something to Trey Smith, and it was retaliation that the was old, caught. But the, the old the, catch the second guy. Yeah, but yep. he got he got fifteen. Will Ignat got one. Those the Smith and Ignat calls were deemed unsportsmanlike conduct, as opposed to the punter who hit somebody out of bounds. That wasn't deemed unsportsmanlike. It was just deemed a late hit. From an officiating crew's perspective, and you see a game getting chippy, what do you do? Do you tell the coaches do you gather the players together and say hey enough's enough stop this what would be a procedure to try to curb the chippiness of some players during a game typically of course back when i was on the field and it it happens all the time typically we would talk to the players first Mm -hmm. and being a deep deep wing you know i had receivers and safeties and corners and they all would get chicken fighting you know but you go up and talk to both of them, you know, say, hey, just, you know, be sure and stop on the whistle. Try to be positive with it. And uh, then uh, that doesn't work. They saw that a lot of times we'll talk to the captains of each team. Mm-hmm. And then that doesn't work. You know, then they'll probably go maybe you know, they'll go to the head coach. Right. And say, you know, you need to talk to your players. They're getting a little, you know, hitting a little aid or they're pushing it for a, for a dead ball foul, usually that works, but sometimes it doesn't, you know, and then you you have to go ahead and enforce it. So so then you start throwing the flags, I guess. And, and the, uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I saw this in an NFL game. I know the all rules don't apply, but I do want to ask you about this. So I'm watching the Saints play the Rams, and a defensive back for the Rams clearly rips off the helmet for the Saints player and throws it on the sideline, and there was no penalty. Nothing was called. It was like nothing had happened. The Saints guy got pretty upset, but the Rams guy was laughing about it. But there was no question he ripped the helmet off and just threw it. And no, nothing was done about that. What would be the rule in college if a player rips off another player's helmet and throws it? That would, prob- that would fall under, to me, an unsportsmanlike act. You know, mm-hmm. they have a list of them, but then it also says this is not all of them, you know. Referee that can enforce any penalty he need, deems necessary, so it could very well be an unsportsmanlike, you know, foul. So. But in college, that likely would be called, right? right? I would think. Well, now here's the other part: in college, if it's ripped off, the guy's got to leave for a play, and it's not his fault that the other guy ripped his helmet off. So you almost have to call a penalty, right? Don't you? Otherwise, he's got to go out. You're exactly right. Now so. in the NFL, the guy stayed in the game. The receiver for the Saints stayed in the game. They didn't call a penalty. It's a different rule. It is. Right. I think maybe the NFL should adopt the college rule on that one. Probably so. I, I, 
Did you? See, I don't know if you saw that. No, John, I did but... not see that. But I, you think about and and rightly so how they have sent. They they're trying to be. They're trying to take as good a care of the players as possible. So with what they've done, uh, how much care they take with neck injuries and anything that's uh, above the shoulders, I would think just like with a. Uh, if there is a clear and convinced or if there's a clear and early footage of a fumble recovery, then you can go ahead and say the scrum, we're able to tell that it's this team's possession, that if there is something that shows somebody having his helmet ripped off, that should be an ejectable offense. Because, again, you're trying to prevent head and neck injuries. That's what so much of the concern has been. It It is crazy how much that happens. I mean, even in high school you see – Right. Helmets get removed. Well, typically, the the first thing probably be called would be a whichever team would be a you know a face mask foul. Mm-hmm. You can out for sure have face mask calls on the offense as well as defense. So if you have a face mask, then that's a foul, so that he gets to stay in the game because a foul created his helmet off. Yeah, at the least, I'm, yeah. I thought it should have been unsportsmanlike conduct, but at least it's face mask because you grab the face you, and you grab and it. twist, correct? Yeah. Actually, and and just threw it to the side. Sure, um, it was an interesting non call. Yeah, that is a no. But there again, pro pros a different game. So, uh, did see you don't see it often, although you see it more than you used to, and that is uh, an offensive player called for a face mask because he went for a stiff arm, and. I didn't see the fingers go inside the face mask. Is, right. That's is, the key. You yeah. can have an open hand on the face mask, but if you grab it and twist, yes. that's you know that's that's, that's when foul. you cross the line. Exactly. But yeah. uh so and maybe I didn't see a, a, what the angle that the officials because as soon as he put the hand on the face mask, that's where the ball carrier kind of eclipse the defender in regards to the angle so right. the replay official might have shown that that indeed that the the grill was cupped so to speak right but uh i guess you do see that a little bit more right now that's not the replay official on that call it has to be on the field that has to be on the field we cannot yeah that's another one so okay well yeah then that's that's not under the auspice of replay then. Play. that's correct okay well, they missed it. <laughs> let's get a call from Ken. It was, uh, uh, let's, Ken, you're on Sports Talk. Hello. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. I have, I guess it's a two-part question on targeting. My first question is, will they ever stop giving a 15-yard personal foul if they go back and change the ruling on the field that it wasn't a targeting can they dismiss the foul and my second question is can they possibly go to where it's a bang bang call they're going to call targeting but in instead of kicking a kid out for you know the second half of this game and the first half of the next game can it go can it can it, can it ever go to a degree foul on the, I mean, if it's malicious, I understand. It's a, you know, kick him out of the game, you're done. But I think if they go back and see it was not targeting, then don't don't call a personal foul. And then my second question is, you know, can it be a degree foul to where he's not kicked out for basically a game? Okay, let me go to the first one first, Ken. 
the there are there are situations where you can have a targeting foul without a personal foul. Now, where you get into typically what you will see, though, a lot of them you'll you'll have a dead ball personal foul, and then they'll put with targeting. So, uh, in that case, if we overturn the targeting, they're still going to leave the the fifteen yard personal foul. In other words, roughing the passer can be one. You can actually have targeting against the quarterback without it being rough, you know, without it being, you know, a late hit or whatever. So if they just announce targeting only and we overturn the targeting, then there is no 15-yard penalty. But the majority of the time, targeting is going to carry with it a, you know, a 15-yard penalty. So uh, that is one situation where you could, you could actually, if we overturn the target, you would not have any yardage penalty. And on the other one, as far as the degrees, that has been talked about back way back in the day when I first started officiating, like on face mask. They used to have a five-yard face mask and a 15-yard mm-hmm. face mask. Well, they found out, you know, a lot of times the officials were a little reluctant to do a 15-yard face mask. So they did away with the five. In other words, it had to be it had to be bad enough to make it a 15. So. That's that's where they are with that. Regard. Gerald, is that where the grab and twist comes in on a face mask? To, so it's so obvious that it's a fifteen yard penalty. Right. Yes. Yeah. So you can you can actually touch somebody's face mask. It's not a penalty. With, right. You grab stiff and arm, twist. like John mentioned, you can yeah. have if you can stiff arm the defensive man with an open hand, and but as long as you don't grab it and then start twisting and you know pulling on it. Let me go back to Ken's question about the different degrees. Do you think that that was sort of addressed when, for targeting now, you have to hit all three elements of targeting? I do. So that takes away the, quote, degree of targeting. And where, in a lot, of course, the other option, you know, the option to stand in reality was the same penalty as a confirm. So, but they did, they took away the stand, so we've got to be absolutely certain that it Mm -hmm. is targeting. And it has to hit three, all three elements, all three or it's not, yeah. or we will overturn it. So that yeah. was a little relief, Ken, in that regard, uh, because they felt like you know if you let it stand, then he's still going to get ejected. So this way, if it was typically a stand last year, we would we would overturn it this year. Thanks, gentlemen. Great as always. Thank Thanks, you. Ken. Sure do appreciate it, Ken. Let's go ahead and check in with Doug. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Doug. Afternoon, gentlemen. Hi, how are you? Fine. Gerald, I was texting with an old friend of yours the other day, Jim Diopolis. He said y'all had a lot of fun back when you officiated OVC games. My goodness, that that goes <laughs> way back. Uh, we had a game one time, and actually I was flying a little bit at the time, so I went up and picked Jim up, and uh, we were we were flying over to the game at Murray State, I believe, and the guy in the front seat uh-huh. wanted to take a closer look at something on the ground, so... I should have told him. It was his first small airplane flight. So we banked the plane <laughs> up on its side, and I thought he was going to climb out the back window. <laughs> I was about to find him in that. That's uh, right. Jim anyway, and I, just, yeah, we've had a lot of fun together. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, I just wanted to comment. Uh, nine years ago, you guys probably remember the Music City Bowl. Of course, mm-hmm. the Dooley Rule. What's that? Yeah, what's that saying about karma is a, you know what, well, if there's one team I'm glad to see get cheated out of one second at the end of the game, it's North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> and, Jim, 
Well, I'll have to say, I've, I've met a lot of your guys uh, back. I used to go with Jim a few times. He used to be a customer in Atlanta, and I'd actually go up and have dinner sometimes when he'd do a UT game. Okay. And you sure. guys are great. I, I would never question your integrity, but I've been going to games since 1950, and that Big Ten crew is the only one I've ever seen that I thought actually threw a game. I've seen games decided by bad calls, but I would not question the integrity officials. But still, nine years later, I'm 72 years old, and if I live to be 100, I think that game was thrown. <laughs> well, we're all entitled to our opinion. Yeah, I know it. So, uh, but anyway, good talking to you. Enjoy the show, Gerald. Thank you. Doug, we sure do appreciate you. We'll get a break and be back with more. If you have a question or comment for Gerald about the rule book or something you saw over the weekend, then 656-9900 is the number to call. 656-9900. Our guest, SEC replay official Gerald Hodges. His appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember. Download the TuneIn app so you can take 99.1 The Sports Animal with you wherever you go. Sports Talk continues. Our guest, SEC replay official Gerald Hodges. If you have a question or comment for Gerald, 656-9900, 656-9900. Gerald, I want to ask you about a play in the Alabama-South Carolina game. I, I didn't see it. I saw a replay of it, but the sound was down, so I didn't catch all of the uh, what the hubbub was about. But uh, South Carolina had the ball. They were driving. They were inside the five-yard line, I think, against Alabama. It was toward the end of the half. And the running back... Uh, came close to scoring. Now, I didn't have a, a, a real good look at it. I was doing another show at the time, so I glanced sure. over the TV. So it looked like the running back's knee hit the ground before he scored. It was a really close call as to whether he scored or not, but it looked to me like the knee hit the ground before he had scored. Uh, and as, as what they mentioned, South Carolina was unable to get off another play, uh, so they didn't get the field goal kicked or something at the end of that. Is that not true? They they. Okay. Uh, in regard to that, one of the things that came out was uh, the, the SEC sent out a tweet that said, if it's the referee's opinion, or I guess the replay official's opinion that he didn't score, then they don't have to stop it. Is that correct? Right. In the replay, the replay manual, there is, you know, that if the replay official sees a, a view, and mm-hmm. you know, it didn't have to be a stop, but if he sees a, a camera angle and he knows he's not going to overturn a play, mm-hmm. then then we we're not required to stop it. And you know, so uh, he must have had a good enough shot at it that uh, you know he knew he wasn't going to you know overturn it. So all plays are reviewed, but not all plays are stopped. Oh, so absolutely. that's what folks play, need to remember. Every play is reviewed. But, it, yeah, if, you see a, if you're the replay guy and you see an angle and you're convinced, okay, the call was right, there's no reason to stop it. Right. We, we, have, have, we have a lot of those, Jimmy, that yeah. you, know, you review. You know, and most of the producers are really good. You know, replay's been in long enough. A lot of the producers, they'll know what we're looking for, just the way the play unfolds. You know, pass on, catch on the sidelines, catch no catch on the sidelines, something like that. They'll send us. They'll send us shots from the truck that you know that look right down from an end zone shot. Looks right down the sidelines. We can see if the foot's inbounds, out of bounds. Sometimes they're so tight that you know you're going to have to stop it and look at it. But there are lots of plays that 
are close, but then when you get you know you get a shot, then uh, you know we 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 know where the different cameras are, and we actually have a screen that we can see four four separate camera camera angles simultaneously in sync. I would imagine the greater challenge for you is when these teams are running a hurry up offense. So you're you're trying to get a look before they snap the ball next. Our biggest that is the biggest challenge and and it really is. That is the biggest challenge is getting the play shut down, you know, before it's snapped again. And then once we get it shut down, it's you know, it's just a matter of going through the progression of what the shots of what you need. You look at the four that are in the quad, we call it four and then you hit one of those, and it but it's full screen. So you've got four angles without having to wait on a replay. And actually, uh, then, you know, if you can't tell then, and there again, that's what our my communicator is there to assist me. He's watching the team in the huddle. And if I'm looking at a play, I've got my head down. And or you know any replay, so it's he will let us know. He says, "Hey, they're coming to the line," you know, and that's that's the crunch time. Do you shut it down, or do you, you know, once it's snapped, it's gone. You know. Is there any research to show that when teams go up tempo, that you have more stoppages of play because you're not sure and you want to stop it to get a better look, or is it less because they're at the line of scrimmage and then have time to figure out whether to stop it? Or not? I haven't seen the stats, but just in my in my experience, you would have more. You might mm-hmm. have more, but they may be shorter of length. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we would rather err and get the play stopped and have a 30-second stop than miss a, a huge play mm-hmm. because it's gone. So it could, and I, I don't know the stats at all, but it would typically would lend itself, you know, if they're rushing to the line. A lot of times when they're rushing to the line, they're rushing to the line for a reason, not mm-hmm. just to hurry up. Yeah. They know something that, you know, we should know, and that's another way to look at. If they're running to the line and we feel like, you know, there's smoke there, then we're more likely to stop it. Our guest, Gerald Hodges, if you have a question or comment for Gerald, 656-9900, 656-9900. Didn't get to, uh, get to this point last week it, since we have talked about targeting. This was Army in Michigan, and there was a targeting call that was a really tough one, I think, that went against Army. And it it's a tough situation, but the, the running back was kind of pinballed between a couple of defenders. So he got hit, and he went airborne. And as he's airborne, he then encounters helmet-to-helmet contact, and it was essentially, it was eventually ruled targeting, and, and the call stood. Uh, but... How tough is it in your seat to uh, to to evaluate a play where somebody it's not the first per, it's not the person that hit him but the person who he ran into the innocent bystander correct <laughs> I mean he's trying to make a play so he was coming towards the ball sure. carrier but there was uh, it we'll just say there was a defender in the middle of the field that hit him first and then he spins and is airborne and as he comes towards that's when the defender went to wrap him up and that's when the helmet to helmet occurred. And, and that's, and it, it was a call that stood. I was kind of surprised because it, it really seemed like there wasn't anything the defender who got the flag could have done to avoid the contact as it played out. Okay. Uh, the, they, the call didn't stand. It was confirmed. But yeah. Okay. Which, my bad. It, yes. That's okay. But it was confirmed. Terminology. Uh, first thing, even though he's spinning around, 
uh, he's a runner. Mm-hmm. So the only the only call that typically you could have against a runner is crown of the helmet. So uh, uh, they may that may have been what they were. Of course, I don't know, but uh, the crown because he is not a defenseless player, even though. If he's spinning around midair, you would think he's defenseless, but if he's still got the ball, he's a runner. So, you know, that I guess they ruled it was So that's the protection. Right, yeah. But that is something just because you can – I mean, for instance, we've seen it where – and several times it's happened. I'm sure you've seen it a hundred times where somebody gets blocked in to either a place kicker or a punter, and so that wipes off what might have correct. at first yeah. appeared to be a roughing or running into it, penalty. Exactly. That's correct. But that doesn't exist seemingly beyond the line of scrimmage, or in this situation where somebody first hit the ball carrier and then uh, the second defender was the one that got the flag. Not at this point. That's how's that? <laughs> we'll get a break. We've got another segment with Gerald coming up. If you have a question or comment for him, six five six ninety nine hundred six five six ninety nine hundred. His appearance brought to you by A. G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember. We have a transmitter, and you don't. 99.1, the sports animal. Final segment to today's edition of Sports Talk. Final segment with SEC replay official Gerald Hodges should throw out a quick promo that Jimmy and I will continue with you through the top of the hour as we co-host Tennessee Sports Night tonight on at 99.1 The Sports Animal as well as Fox 43. Uh, we'll talk lots of Tennessee football, and Jimmy will have Ryan Callahan join us to do that in the first segment. We'll do cleanup on aisle three, and then we'll also have uh, a Florida preview from Robbie Andrew. Yeah, we look forward to that. Uh, Robbie's covered the Gators for a long time, so we'll get his take on the quarterback situation for the Gators. That's all coming up tonight at 7 on Tennessee Sports Night. Let's get a call from Ronnie, who joins us. Hi, Ronnie. How are you? Ronnie, you there? Ronnie going once. Well, all right then. Uh wanted to ask you about, Gerald, uh, about the Michigan State-Arizona State game. Toward the end of the game, uh, Michigan State, there are like 11 seconds left. And so uh, Michigan State uh, is going to uh, kick a field goal on third down. Uh, and um, and so they kick it, and it's, it's good, but they throw a flag. So the officials convened. Now, this I hope this is right. I didn't see it. I read it. The officials convened and decided they wiped off the flag. They said there were not 12 men on the field. Then the replay official steps in, stops it, and says, yes, there were 11 on the field. So, 11 or 12? No, I'm sorry, 12 on okay. the field. All right. so, so what happened was people were saying, wait a minute, the officials already said there weren't 12. How can they change it back? My guess is that the officials on the field conferred and said, oh, we made a mistake. There are only 11, not 12. But the replay guy saw it, and he said, wait a minute, guys, buzzed down and said, yes, there were 12, not 11. That seems like a likely scenario to me. That, that was probably indeed it because that's part of our uh, pre, pre-snap routine in the booth is both of us count each team. So we're counting in the booth also. So 
then uh, that is one of the reviewable plays where there's 12 men on on the field on either team during a lot regions during a live ball so that's they and the announcement you know especially when you pick up a flag the announcement that there is no foul that kind of triggers the replay booth to well, let's you know double check they probably already had it from the booth that there were 12 mm-hmm. on the field and then you know they would uh, they would uh, buzz down and so that would have to be actually a replay stop, but that'd be right, about, yeah. that'd be about a ten second replay stop. We'd love to get those. Yeah. So Johnny <laughs> and, and now the Pac twelve acknowledged the mistake because there was a leaping Correct. that occurred. Yes. It, and I guess at the end of that game, right? And they didn't catch it. And so uh, so they came out and said they missed a call. I guess that would have been against Arizona State. Correct. Against Michigan State. Uh Gerald, in that regard on leaping, if you would define the leaping penalty on extra points or field goals? Oh, so it was on a kick. Scream it was on kick. a yes. field goal attempt. Okay. The, uh, if a player is lined up within one yard of the line of scrimmage, width of the ball, he can, uh, he can only, you know, he can only jump straight up and, of course, not come down on any offensive, typically it's on defense. And, uh, Oh, uh, if he's within one yard of line of scrimmage, he can jump straight up. But he, if he's two or three yards off, he can't take a run and then jump on top of you know within the frame of the body. So, oh, uh, to you know try to block a kick. So, yeah, they essentially said he violated his airspace. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Am I going to ask or not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dennis Dodd at CBS uh, said that the day of bringing officials. Uh, where a Pac-12 team goes to a Big Ten school and brings a Pac-12 crew, he thinks that it is outdated. Do you think that practice is that? Would you agree with that notion at all? Or do you, as having been in that exact position, it, do you see anything that needs to change in that system? Well, that's been used to back in earlier days. They used to do split crews. Mm-hmm. And that was a little more... Uh, problematic you know you have different you have different mechanics and different you know philosophies of officiating so they decided it's better you know either way you went to make the the officiating crew uh a full crew from the same conference now next year uh the uh the re- two replay officials will travel with the crew tip this year uh most of the home games, you have the home conference replay crew and then the visiting conference uh, on the field. We had that this past weekend. No problems at all. But next year, uh, you know, the whole the replay on-field guys, everybody will travel. So, Do you like that idea? I do. Yeah. I actually had one of those earlier this year So, uh, where I went to the visiting school with the SEC officials. So the, more cohesiveness. Absolutely. Between, yeah. yeah. We're, we're used to working together, our, our mechanics and things like that. It's the same way of being all on the field from the same crew. So, Jerry, yeah. we appreciate it. Always great to catch up with you. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again next Monday. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Safe travels this week, Gerald. Always appreciate it. Thank you. And that's Gerald Hodges, SEC replay official. His appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember it.